Breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never had before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Oh, yes, I am here on this snowy Thursday in Wisconsin. hope it's nice where you are, Florida. You're probably soaking in the sun already. Hour ahead of our time. Welcome, 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 WTMJ. And I was in a great mood this morning. Fantastic mood. The snow hadn't really started yet, so easy ride in. A lot of folks off work today. Then I get this letter. Producer Brandon hands, hands me what he called fan mail. Oh, it's not fan mail. I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's a term I can't use on the radio. This is a Mr. Scafidi, not not Steve. <laughs> Mr. Sc- this is a constructive criticism letter using a slang term. You are starting to sound like a dumb, and then he uses a word I can't use on the radio. I have always used that term after growing up on the south side of Milwaukee. Your use of the English language is low class, and at time I hear you swear. Again, low class. Yeah. <laughs> you have lately been asking us what we should do. Low class. Apparently low class is the theme of this letter. We listen for your opinion. Do not ask mine. Listen to it, and then he mentions the station in Chicago. If you want to hear class broadcasters, thanks for reading. I won't say your name. I'll protect your identity, but thank you for the feedback this morning. You know, I'll say this. I will say this. Thanks for the music there, Brandon. It is, um, I'm not looking for praise. My message has always been this. I will try to cover any story, fun, not fun, tragic, shocking, in the same way. From the position of facts. I'm not sure the uh, the low class thing where that comes from. I'm middle class. That's the class I'm come from. So I will take your criticism, and I will use it and file it appropriately. But we're going to launch the show today with the governor of the state of Wisconsin. Here, all the, here the energy I have. This is, the, this is the, the good mood I was in. Snow be gone. Whatever. It is what it is. The governor of the state of Wisconsin yesterday, Governor Tony Evers, his biennial budget address, B&B, talking about what's next budget-wise in the state of Wisconsin. Let's hear from the governor. I promise you this. In this budget, there's more that unites us than divides us. These aren't Republican or Democrat priorities. They're Wisconsin priorities, areas where we should be able to find common ground. This budget is about solutions, not wish lists. This is a budget about pragmatism, not politics. This is a budget about getting back to basics and doing the right thing. Who's yapping in the background? I know, I know that I think it was supports, but shut up, okay? This isn't Congress where you just yell stuff. 
You can support the governor without shouting out from the audience. So be quiet. Um, he said it's not partisan. Yeah, it kind of is. These are your party's ideas. And there's a, there's a bigger conversation that I'll get to in a second here. Um, obviously, the question is, where do we spend these dollars? Where does the money go? Whether you're talking about normal tax collection or, in the case of Wisconsin, a massive nearly $7 billion tax surplus. I've ha- I have thoughts. I will give you my opinion on it. And God forbid I ask your opinion. Letter writer. But we will now hear from the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, on his plan for education in Wisconsin. As a governor who also has, and also I'm a, I'm a governor and a grandfather, tonight I'm calling on the legislature to join me in doing what's best for our kids by approving the largest increase in K-12 schools and education in our state's history. Okay, so I, I talked a lot about this yesterday in, in terms of putting large amounts of money in different pockets, right? Different budget pockets. Look, I understand education. I, I was married to a teacher. She's still a teacher. Now she's retired from the public school system and now, now teaches at MATC. Look, we all get that we have to invest in our kids. But as I asked yesterday on this show, show me something here. Where's the money going? I don't want more... Fancy stadiums and fancy tracks and new performing arts centers. I want kids' performance actually increasing and improving day-to-day, year-to-year, kids graduating. And the last piece on education, before I let you hear what the other side of the political aisle has to say, I want to know what you're going to do about discipline in our schools. This is a big issue. It's a huge problem. Teachers feel threatened. And trust me, I hear from a lot of teachers that I'm not married to all over this state. And they will not jump into a fist fight to break it up because they will get sued. Where is the security and safety in schools? Where is that mentioned? Where's the dazzling details about that in a budget? That frankly, to be honest, from my perspective, spends more than we take in in the first two years. That's not balanced budgeting. All right, so there's always the other side. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who I would argue, and I know there's a governor of the state of Wisconsin, is the most important political figure in this state. You can argue with me if you want to, 855-616-1620. Let's hear what the Assembly Speaker had to say about the governor's budget address. In some ways, I felt like I was watching Oprah Winfrey, a billion for you, a billion for you, a billion for you. Uh, When you add up the entire budget spending, I think it would be the largest increase in spending in the history of the state of Wisconsin. All of that coupled with massive tax increases, expansions of new programs. I would say while there are some areas in Governor Evers' budget that I'm sure we will hope to find common ground on, our solutions are going to look dramatically different. Governor Evers tonight talked about how his budget reflects the priorities of Wisconsinites. I think if I listen tonight, his priorities might be in line with where we are on the topics, but the solutions are what's dramatically different. Um, Wisconsinites do not want a massive tax increase. They do not want a 24% increase 
in the first year of the budget in state spending. They do not want massive tax increases and minor tax cuts. That's what the budget that we see here tonight shows. It was a budget that is absolutely devoid of reality. It's also a budget that's probably a budget proposal, I should say, that's dead on arrival in the state legislature. They will do as they've done previously and start over. My question for the governor, Tony Evers, and my question for you, because I'm going to still ask questions of my audience, because you're, you are smart people. You understand the situation on the ground here. And if you're in another place, another state, another country for that matter, the same questions are on the table where you live and where you listen from. Safety, crime, taxation, education, you name it. Same problems. Doesn't matter where you live. What are the real-life solutions? So here we are again, and I tweeted this out last night, last thing before break. And you can join us at 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. You know what? I said this last night on on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, this is what I said. The great thaw, I'm paraphrasing, the great thaw that we were talking about, I had Speaker Voss on, I had Governor Tony Evers on, asked them both the same question. Are you talking? They said yes. The great thaw, not a meteorological term, but a political term, that ended last night. And here we are, Governor Evers with a fresh term as governor laying out his ideas, and the Speaker Boss from the Assembly, and Devin Lemahue basically said the same thing in his written response. Here we are. So are we ready as Wisconsinites for four more years of this? My answer, let me speak for Wisconsinites, absolutely not. As always, you can join the conversation in the old National Bank Talk and Text Line open 247-365-855-616-1620. Connie has taken us up on the challenge to call the show. Connie from beautiful Portage, Wisconsin. Hi, Connie. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Dave. I haven't talked to you for a long time. I missed you, Connie. (laughs) Well, it's between you and Larry Mueller. Ah, I go back and forth. Yeah, I, I got it. So I got it. Did, yeah. Well, I didn't get to hear the speech. I don't know how I missed it, but uh, did he actually say in his speech that he was raising taxes? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up, Connie, because you're kind of breaking up a little bit. But I'll I'll let you uh, I'll answer it off the uh, off the phone call there. Um, no, he called it a I think a moderate. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a moderate tax cuts. Uh, he's he has proposed a 10 percent tax middle class tax cut. Now, the way that that governor, Tony Evers, defines tax cuts and the way I think some of us define that same issue is probably vastly different. I have a big problem with people getting tax rewards who don't pay taxes. I've said that before on the show. It's not breaking news. I think we have to really, really assess, and this is what Speaker Voss had, had spoken about. If you spend dollars and you take surplus dollars and you spend them all up, all at the same time, use up the entire surplus on wish list items, raising the ante on what you're going to put into our budget based on a surplus, it's not sustainable over time, right? It's a, it's a one-time 
hopefully. Otherwise, you're taking too much of our money every year. It's a one-time thing. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow up both sides on the communication piece of this. One more example, glaring example of the lack of communication. I'm going to praise a local leader, Mayor Johnson of Milwaukee, who has worked hard, tremendously hard, on figuring out what can be done with shared revenue with the state of Wisconsin. He's a Democrat. Legislature's Republican. He's invited them in. He's met with them. I don't know if that we're any closer on shared revenue or answers for local communities and counties. I've had all of those conversations on this show in the last few weeks. But there's at least a conversation with the governor of the state of Wisconsin, his administration, and the legislature led by Speaker Robin Voss in the Assembly and Devin Lemahue in the Senate. Other than some brief meetings, we're not getting to solutions on this stuff. Obviously, Republicans control the legislature. They will craft a budget, a new budget, probably throwing out almost everything. And the comment that I, I wasn't a big fan of, Speaker Voss said that we agree on the topics. Yeah, we all know what the topics are, right? Education, taxation, crime, public safety. We, we get that. Man, if you can't agree on those things, we really have a problem in the state of Wisconsin. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Your thoughts. I do ask your opinion. I have told you what I think about this over and over again. From the perspective of local leaders, they need help. And that goes from the most extreme conservative local leaders to the most liberal. They're all saying the same thing, the same message. That should tell you something as a citizen of the state of Wisconsin on its face. But beyond that, there's a surplus there that belongs to the taxpayers of Wisconsin. It doesn't mean you gift it to people who didn't pay taxes. It doesn't mean you use it to create programs that didn't exist before or jobs that didn't exist before. It means none of that. This is a moment to put the big boy pants on, since we're talking about three men in leadership positions in the state of Wisconsin, and do the right thing for the taxpayers. Communicate, figure it out, legislate, and for the governor, sign on the dotted line. That's my expectation. All the rest, all the other stuff is political noise. And one more quick take before we go to break. I know we're late. Whoever told legislators or leaders that writing press releases is work, it's not. It's lazy leadership. So when I read this churn of releases last night that came out after the speech, do your damn job. Get in there and do your job and stop writing press releases. That's not work. I already know, based on your political affiliation, what you think. In Wisconsin, that's very, very easy to figure out. I need a little something more on the work side of that equation. We'll take a break for news here. I'll lay out some of the uh, specifics of Governor Evers' budget proposal after the break. Two quick ones. 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave beginning in January 2025. And a higher minimum wage by 2026 up to $10.25 an hour. Eventually getting to $15 per hour. So that's just one little snippet of a broad proposal 
Somebody asked you, why, why does that equate to tax increase? Because there's not funding set aside for these new programs. So you, you can't, I know surplus could be used for a one-time use, but you have to sustain that. If you change these things, add these things to the budgets, and eventually legislate those things, they cost more money. That's the tax increase part. I think that Speaker Robin Voss is talking about. So more on the governor's proposal. Your thoughts as well. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text line. Yeah, the weather not that great, so be careful on the roadways. It's really hitting hard now in southeastern Wisconsin and, frankly, all the way through southern Wisconsin. So be careful out there. Looks like the heavy stuff not coming down to a little bit later, but uh, hopefully producer Brandon and I will be well on our way home by then, and we'll miss the heavy stuff. So make sure your snow thrower blower is working properly. Make sure your shovels are ready to go. Take it easy on that part of that equation as well. All right, so I mentioned during the break there, um, people asked me for specifics. I, I realized when I started to talk about this, a lot of people don't watch the addresses. They, they don't care. They could care less. And I'm going to actually do a story later about how, how little people – pay attention to news and broadcast TV now and are just doing the stream thing and just watching series and movies. And for the first time ever, that part of the uh, TV experience has shifted to streaming, being the dominant source, which is super interesting. All right, so I mentioned the governor last night talked about paid family leave, higher minimum wage, eventually getting to, again, these are all proposals. These are not etched in stone, these are probably dead on arrival in the Wisconsin State Legislature. But I want to give the governor the the opportunity to at least vet his choices. Education was a big piece of this. We played a little clip of the governor talking about that. Proposal $2.64 billion in funding for K-12 schools, largest of all time, 15% increase over the last biennial budget. There's that tax increase again. Most people in Wisconsin say, less taxes. Give us our money back. This is a tax increase. And I'll just say this about the the school thing. I'm a strong advocate for schools. But we have to have some accountability here. And I've talked about performance, graduation, core education, right? Reading, math, writing, being able to write a, a coherent paragraph, or email. I know we love all the extra stuff now, the extracurriculars, the bonus classes, things that are certainly well and good if, you, if you've mastered the core stuff. But if I'm going to see a budget increase for schools, you got to show me something. And I understand the governor came from that environment, and I credit him for pursuing in what he thinks is the best interest of the students. And the other piece that Republicans are angry about is the fact that he's essentially put the the hammer down on private schools and choice, even though they are seem to be outperforming and overperforming the standards that public schools have. Uh, Another call for Medicaid expansion, expansion of BadgerCare Plus, the state's largest Medicaid program, which, if you don't know, provides health insurance for low-income adults and children. Uh, it was removed last budget session, called a special ses- session to expand the program. It was, it was uh, gaveling in and out in less than one minute. Um, Evers 
brought back a campaign promise for a 10% tax cut, as I said earlier, for people making less than $100,000, and married couples or joint filers making at or below $150,000. There's going to be some sort of an income tax cut. That is, I think, an, an area of agreement between Republicans and Democrats in the state of Wisconsin. Republicans will, will be advocating for a flat income tax, removal of the state income tax. Those would likely be vetoed by the governor. So here we are at that stalemate position again. What can the governor sign that the legislature approves? It's a reality. It's a political reality that both sides must face. Uh, the governor wants to uh, have a fund for the legalization of recreational medicinal marijuana. We're not even close to that in the state of Wisconsin. That's also probably DOA. Um, he floated the idea of a $290 million address for funding for the Milwaukee Brewers, specifically the Stadium District and American Family Field. Did not mention that in the speech last night. Not sure if he got a lot of blowback on that or what the reason for that was, but he left it alone. So what does this all mean? We've heard the Evers response. I said DOA. I think Devin Lemahue, leader of the state Senate, basically said the same thing. This, this is not dissimilar to what happened last time. Republicans in the legislature, they control both bodies. They will craft a budget. And the governor has a decision to make. What do you take out? What do you sign? Do we have a budget? The answer is we will get to a budget because that's pretty much how it works. Right? We'll talk. We'll argue. At the end of the day, they'll find something that they, I can agree upon. Is that good enough? I don't know. But the bottom line for me has always been this. There's a tax surplus. One, stop taking more taxes than you need. And two, and the number's going to go up. It's at almost $7 billion now. And two, give the money back to the taxpayers. That's the best tax cut we can get. Yeah, sure, it's a one-time thing. Would you not want to check for 1000 bucks if you're a middle-class taxpayer? I would. This is the moment where leaders have to lead. Everybody, Republicans and Democrats, think they're saying and doing the right things. It's a wish list. Just like when the Republicans put their budget together, that's their wish list. The magic happens, if you can call it magic, it's probably the wrong word, is when they can find something, like they did last time, that the governor will sign. That's the budget that matters. What that will look like, it's got to have a tax cut in it. I'm sure it'll have some more money for education, but there's going to be some hard decisions to make here. That's the reality in Wisconsin. Divided government. Is it working for us? You tell me. All right, after the break, we're going to shift gears here. There's an interesting dilemma that parents are facing. When it comes to social media, simple question I'm going to ask you, and this affects mental health, bullying, Time spent learning, I should really say time spent not learning. Would you support a ban on social media for anyone under 16 years old? We'll discuss after this. Snow is flying here in southeastern Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin. I saw a couple local stations doing the uh, reporter stand-ups outside. They were there at 4.30 in the morning. Can you be more cliched? Seriously, is that the best you can do? 
Where's the creative process? Where's somebody saying to one of these station managers, editors, whoever's making those? Go, what are you doing here? This is the same stuff we've done for like the last 50 years. Maybe there's something else we could do. We know what snow looks like. When we see a reporter standing out there, they look like idiots. Because we wouldn't go outside and stand in the snow for no obvious reason. Am I too hard on those people? Maybe I am. No, I don't. you're not. God, that just seems nuts to me. That's like baseball players. I watched Bull Durham the other night, and Kevin Costner's teaching, I always forget his name. i never seen it. Oh, great baseball movie. Um, minor league baseball. He, um, he's teaching the, the young superstar pitcher, future superstar pitcher, who eventually makes it to the bigs, all the sports cliches. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, we know it's snowing out. It's different if the weather person does it, because they're weather people. But a reporter who typically covers non-weather stories, you're making them go outside in the cold snow, hopefully not in a freeway overpass. It's just dumb. Stop doing it. All right. So I, I, I told you about this idea. Where does this come from? So the, the idea is to ban social media for people under the age of 16. So 16 would be the magic number comes from a new bill in the House of Representatives, Republican Chris Stewart from Utah, Social Media Child Protection Act, requiring the big tech companies, the operators of these social media platforms, to verify the age of their users, including ID verification. So not just saying that, but verification. Also gives states the authority to bring civil lawsuits on behalf of residents if they violate that age restriction. So if somebody's cheating or using the system, they can sue them. In addition, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, would be required to hold big tech companies to accounts enforcing fines if violations occur. Okay, so big picture. I've talked about this before. The power of, well, it's it's moved, right? Facebook, most kids aren't on that anymore. Twitter, some are. Now it's TikTok. And the just a little backstory on the representative from Utah. He had a family friend whose 16-year-old daughter committed suicide for taking her own life related to her social media activity. And we've heard stories like this over and over again. And I guess my basic question on this has always been, why do they need this? Why do they need phones? Somebody somebody on the text line, the old National Bank talking text line, simple answer. Don't give your kids smartphones. Then they won't be on social media. Yeah, sort of. Most kids have some other access points, whether it's a PC or iPad, whatever it is. This isn't that difficult, really. I understand it's a fundamental shift in the way we do things in this country. All about freedom, right? Let the kids have it. What's the, what's the downside? Oh, I don't know, kids killing, killing themselves, killing others? I understand that's the extreme side of this argument. But here we have another opportunity to do something positive, to do the right thing. Tell me, in your own words... 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking tax line. Why a child under the age of 16 needs to be constantly tied to the Internet and to social media and to TikTok. 
So they're going to watch stupid videos all day and not learn? Do you see a cause and effect between that constant urge to be online versus just focusing on what the teacher says? It's really not that difficult. But again, it requires tough decision-making. Willingness by parents, adults in the room to say, you know what, this doesn't make sense. This can be an online world for those of us over 16 years old. And maybe leave the 12-year-olds out of it. I'll take a break here. Love to hear your thoughts on this. 855-616-1620. Decision time. Now, this is one bill with, let's be honest, probably little chance of success, if I'm being brutally honest. But there's value in the idea. And here's the other thing about this. Social media platforms, you could do this on your own. Just like companies without any federal law started paying their employees more when the marketplace got tougher. They did that on their own. Social media companies, you want to be responsible? You want to avoid the heat of Congress and congressional inquiries into how you conduct your business? Do the right thing here. That's what we're talking about. That's what's next. Well, I like the fact that my kid has a smartphone. I can I can get in touch with them, extracurricular activities, I, and I'm paraphrasing. That's that's all well and good. I'm calling. I, I say, you know, the bill is probably not going to get anywhere or go anywhere. This is this is something social media companies can do. And I understand they'll take a hit on numbers, right? They'll have less people that sign up for these sites. The bill would require ID verification. Now you say, well, we all see that little box checkup. Usually it's 18, and we all check it, and kids check it, and they get access to sites they shouldn't have. There's actually verification here. Now the downside of this is, all right, so what does that mean? You're providing what, an ID? Who controls that information? Is that an opportunity for a data leak or people stealing data? Yeah, everything has challenges. My argument on this has always been the risk of social media for minors is greater than the value that it produces. Why does a kid who's 12 years old need to spend their day and nights watching TikTok videos? I've seen TikTok videos. I understand it's popular. Fastest growing social media platform. Most of it is moronic, borderline obscene, and a waste of our time. Now, I understand kids are kids, right? That's being a child, right? You waste a lot of time on dumb stuff. I did, you did, everybody did. But the negatives, I think, outweigh the, po- the positives here, and that's a risk for America. Bold decision-making says, you know what? This isn't right. Let's do something about it. Jim from Fond du Lac on the old National Bank talk and text line. They need to be on it because the social media company is going to lose followers, so therefore is going to lose profit, so the lobbyists will kill the movement. Uh, no, Steve, adolescents do not need social media. Honestly, most of us could gain from getting away from social media. Absolutely. I've told this story before. Generally on weekends, I put the phone down. Usually Friday afternoon, Friday evening. I don't pick it up till, in the case of the football season, to the Packers play on Sunday. It's refreshing. I don't take it to the restaurants with me. I'm disgusted by people who constantly look at their phone in restaurants. I actually had a topic I was fleshing out the other day. What's your reaction? It was simple, simply this. What's your reaction to people who just stay on their phones 
three, four, five, six people all looking at their phones in a public restaurant. I think it's moronic and stupid. And I told you the story the other day of a restaurant, I think it was in Australia, says, you know what? 10% discount if you will lock up your phones during your dinner, lunch, meal. Love that ingenuity. Love that idea. There's some restaurants in the United States. Do it a different way. Free glass of wine if you lock up your phone. Everything is cyclical, right? And the rise in social media popularity, the rise in kids spending way too much time on it, that trend is up. Here's a chance to knock it down. Whether it's a bill from a representative in Utah or social media companies doing the right thing, how about an expectation that companies... All companies, social media or otherwise, do the right thing when it comes to our society and our country and stop looking at just the bottom line. Isn't that refreshing? I think it is. All right, we'll break for news. After the news, yes, we're going to talk about weather, but from a different perspective. Would you or will you move from a cold weather climate? I'm in Wisconsin. You may be in Michigan or Minnesota or Illinois. Solely because of the weather. That's my question. Breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Oh, yes, it is. I am Steve Brandon producing, as always. A little snow in the forecast. It's coming down. Brandon was in my ear earlier saying, what, an inch an hour? Woo! I tested the snow thrower yesterday, the Aaron's snow thrower. Thank you, Aaron's. Ready to go. Started right up. I did have to tune it up, though. Fresh gas. That's the that's the Fresh gas is the key. My friend. I got a 14-year-old. That's a great snubbler. <laughs> yeah. See, I wish I had that. I don't have that. My you kids, never had that, then. I, well, my girls helped, though. Oh, sure. They're, they're, yeah, they're sure. adults now. But where, where, this is a totally aside from what I want to talk about. We're, we are going to talk about weather here for, for a moment. Um, where is the young future business leaders of America out there shoveling driveways for cold, hard cash, homie? Where are those kids? It's funny you say that because I brought this up to my kid. And he laughed at me. He was like, I'm not doing that. I'm Are like, you serious? I'm like, dude, you don't understand the, 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 the possibilities here. I, I mean, now they're probably giving out, you know, for, for me, when I did it 20 years ago, it was, yeah, five bucks, 10 bucks, which was good. I was getting 10 bucks in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> dude, now it's probably 30, 35, 40. I, I had so much walking around money as a kid. I don't think my parents knew this. We could buy baseball cards, football cards, candy. And candy was much cheaper. There was penny candy back then. There, This is a missed opportunity. You are missing a big opportunity, folks. And for the, the families who have these kids, get them outside shoveling snow. 
This is this is a money making opportunity. Teach them that lesson. Hard work, straight cash. They're not writing you a check. They're not using their debit card. It's straight cash, homie. To quote the uh, talented Randy Moss. Anyway, so I made my show poll. I, I, I have a really specific question. Hopefully, not a low class question, as my uh, letter writer said this morning. Low class. Then he used a derogatory ethnic term, which is something I am not even in that ethnic group. But I let it, I let it go. I let the anger go because I'm in a good mood. So here's the question, and I and I put it this way: Winter rears its ugly head again here in southeastern Wisconsin. It's really southern Wisconsin. Given our wintry weather, would you ever use the cold and snow as a reason to relocate? Listen carefully. Year round to another part of the country. And I said, we'll discuss it at 10.08 this morning, and we are discussing it right now. I gave you a few choices. No, I love the seasons. Yes, hate the cold. Not sure. And then I added drought, heat, question mark. And I'll tell you why I added those in a second. So if I asked you right now in Radio Land, however you're listening, over the air, online, podcast, whatever it is, or well, not podcast yet, but maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight, <laughs> you'll be on that podcast I wish I could have been listening live because I would have answered that question for Steve. Out there in Radio Land, raise your hand if you think, no, I love the seasons is the number one answer so far. No, I can't see your answers. Or is it, yes, I hate the cold? Are you raising your hands? Can't fact check you on that. But So if I told you that right now in my show poll, which is almost 150 votes already, I just started talking about it, no, I love the seasons is 53%. Are you surprised? I'm not. I like the seasons. I just don't like snow. Give me zero. I, I expect zero in January, February. The run of four straight 50s that we had earlier this week when I could walk outside with my wife was spectacular. That's bonus weather. So no is at 53%. Yes, I hate the cold, 28%. So 28% of you, let me get this straight. 28% of you are saying you would move because of the, of the cold weather and snow. And then that last piece, drought, heat. Here's why I put that in there. I was reading a story in the Wall Street Journal about decisions people make about where they live. The idea was Southwest was a better value for a while. That's kind of changed. Homes are very expensive. There are, there's obviously more space, apparently. More neighborhoods being created, all well and good. They have a huge problem with energy and water. Energy, they can't keep their power on. doesn't matter if you're in a rich neighborhood or a poor neighborhood. They can't keep their power on. Texas, I'm looking at you. Power outages, not, I'm not a big fan of that. Excessive heat, not too many years ago, Texas had a string of 100-degree days in a row. I've been to Texas. I worked in Texas. It's warm. Same thing with Florida. Oh, I love the winters. I have friends who are down there right now. They love sending me beach pictures. They don't send me beach pictures in July. My brother lives there year-round. He hated the cold. He moved for the weather. Now he's got an alligator looking at his dog and him every day. Not more than 20 feet outside his, what do they call them, verandas or whatever those things are. 855-616-1620. I got a break here. Would you move solely because of the weather? I say that's nuts. You can agree or tell me why I'm wrong after this. 
Would you move because of the weather, the extreme cold sometimes? Not this winter. Snowstorms? Eh, today. Let's talk to Tom in Hartford. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Good morning on WTMJ. Good morning, Steve. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would not move. I've been here since uh, 1940 when I was born, and uh, I lived in that big snowstorm on uh, uh, 1947. We used to live on Humboldt Avenue right down from your old studios. Mm -hmm. And we to see the, the, we had the uh, trolley buses. They were uh, each and every different way on, on the bridge there. There was so much snow, what way to have 20-some inches in 24 hours. Yeah, so how come but we're so was... much tougher than the other guys and other women, Tom? How come we're so much tougher? How come we can take it? I don't know. I, I, just, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't move in this, uh, the warmer spots. They got, they got the problems there, too, with the t uh, tornadoes, hurricanes in Florida. I mean, what are you going to do? You live right here, you don't have all that stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Tom. I appreciate it. Th th thanks for listening as well. Look, every place has its things, right? Whether it's hurricanes, you know, tornadoes in Texas, energy grid problems, the Southwest dealing with massive water issues that they better sort out. And I, I, I give praise when it's deserved. Las Vegas, Nevada, where I love to go. Three or four times a year, we're actually planning our next trip. We have one scheduled in summer. We're planning the next one after that. They recycle almost all their water. They rip out sod because they don't want to water it anymore. They're, they're aware. So Las Vegas has figured it out. What's Texas doing? Arizona. You can chase warm weather if you want, but come on. Every place has its things. Mike joins us from Illinois. How's the weather? How's the roads, Mike? Well, I am driving up to uh, Monroe right now, and I will be honest, the, the roads aren't good. Um, I don't know if the plows have been out or not. I'm still south of Wisconsin, but uh, we'll be there shortly. Um, I'll be honest with you, I love where I live. I love the Great Lakes area. The older I get, the more I appreciate it. And I'm the opposite of you. I do not like the extreme cold, but the <laughs> snow doesn't bother me one bit. I love it. Really? Really? Well, we can, we can be different and still, and still get along. Absolutely, Steve. Hey, we're Renaissance men. We know. See, that's that. Thank you for the call, Mike. That's why Mike's on the show. We get Hugh in, who's calling. Is he calling from the beautiful state of Florida? Oh, here we go. Hugh is calling from the beautiful state of Florida. Hi, Hugh. Hello, Wisconsin. <laughs> calling from Florida, like eight, eighty-two degrees. Eighty-two nice degrees. All right, all right. I'll be in the pool. I'll be in the. I'll be in the pool in a little while. Yeah, watch out for the alligators. Yeah, right. I uh, I retired in ninety in ninety five, and six months later, I moved to Florida. I I didn't want to see another. I haven't seen a snowflake in twenty eight years. I, I liked snow. I loved it when I was a kid, but that was it. That was it. Uh, and so many people always say to me, "How can you stand all the heat down here in July?" And I say, "Well, you don't have to shovel it." That's true. Hugh, enjoy yourself, and I'm glad you're having a great time in Florida. Um, get one more, Roger. We've got to make it quick, Roger, because I get to break. Roger calling from the beautiful city of Sheboygan. Hey, Roger. Hi. I, I, I used to travel a lot. I, I've got a weather theory. Every part of the country has six fantastic months, three that are marginal, and three that are a pain in the butt. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> That's a story. Yeah, th th thanks for the call, Roger. I appreciate you taking the time. Look, you can go wherever you want. There's going to be something to deal with. That's the reality. I'm not going anywhere. Doesn't mean I don't travel, love to travel, but I'm a I'm a Wisconsin guy and I'll I'll stay true to that. Snow be damned, cold weather be damned. All right, quick break. After the break, fun events.
All right, really, really cool event happening this weekend in Milwaukee. Joining us on the phone, Scott Johnson. It's called Mama Tried. Tell me about it. There's a bunch of different events happening at Pfizer Forum, Eagles Club. Welcome to the show, first off. Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks for having me. All right, so tell us about it. There's um, some really cool things happening this weekend in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a big motorcycle festival. It's the biggest uh, wintertime motorcycle festival in the country. Uh, and we put on the largest indoor motorcycle race in the world. And it's right here in Milwaukee. Um, uh, and uh, we would just love to have people come down. It's we do Friday night at Pfizer Forum. That's what kicks off the weekend. And we do an indoor flat track race. We, we put Dr. Pepper syrup on the, uh, on the stadium floor. And we have 300 racers that come in from all over the world to, uh, to race for, uh, for fun and prizes. What'd you say and, about Dr. Uh, Pepper syrup? I missed that. What was that point? Yeah. Yeah. We don't put dirt on the ground. We put Dr. Pepper syrup on the concrete, sort of like a, a sticky movie theater floor. Oh. That idea. You know, and then the, the motorcycles stick to the floor and get lots of traction. And uh, we have everything from pros to little kids to baggers to choppers to women's classes to hooligans. We have bands playing and all sorts of fun stuff. It's, we say it's uh, part motorcycle race, part circus. Because you kind of... We, it's not just a motorcycle race. We have lots of fun in between the races. you got costumes, antics, and all that stuff. So that's part of the weekend. Yeah. And then you shift over to the Eagles Club, and there's some really interesting details about this, including a special motorcycle that a lot of people in Milwaukee are really familiar with. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we do an indoor motorcycle show at the Eagles Club called the Mama Tribe Motorcycle Show. And uh, we have 100 curated uh, custom and collectible motorcycles from around the world, or North America and South America. And uh, this year we have very special, the original Fonzie motorcycle from Happy Days. Um, will be in the house. He, uh, Henry Winkler, in the first episode, he rode a knucklehead. Uh, he didn't really ride it. He wasn't a very uh, accomplished motorcycle rider, but as being part of the show, it was a, sort of a prop in the show. And then uh, they eventually switched to Triumph later on because they were a little bit smaller, easier to start. And, uh, you know, Henry Winkler is not the, not the biggest guy, and, uh, and that applies to a lot of us. So, um they switched to try and slid around, but we have the original Happy Days Fonzie um, knucklehead that's going to be in the show this year. Scott Johnson joining us at WTMJ, the big Mama Tried motorcycle show, the Flat Out Friday indoor flat track race at Fiserv on this syrup track, which is just fascinating to me. So for people who want to find out more information about this, um, it's a big thing. It's, one, as you said, one of the biggest races, lots of cool stuff, the Fonzie bike, other things. If they want more details, where do they go? You can go to uh, mamatriedshow.com, and you can get tickets there. Uh, otherwise, you can go to flatoutfriday.com, and you can get tickets for the races there. You can go to fivestarforum.com. You can buy the tickets there. Uh, you can get them at a walk-up to you. But if you want more information, yeah, just just Google uh, Flat Out Friday or, or Mama Tried Show. What are you most looking forward to uh, for the events over the weekend? Uh, I, you know, the, there's two things that I, I, I honestly really love. The opening ceremonies of Flat Out Friday are just, we have all the races come out with a, an American flag and do a slow lap around the, the stadium while the uh, national anthem is playing. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a tearjerker. It's just, it just really it makes all the hard work really feel worth it. It's just such an amazing feeling to be part of this community. And then uh, when I get over to Mama Tried, and you're inside and you're seeing little kids walk around and, and getting excited about motorcycles and just seeing their eyes light up and just seeing that 
kind of fire catch hold like it did when I was a kid. It just means so much to be able to give a little bit of that back. So. That's, those are my favorite parts. Absolutely love that. And if uh, if you know anything about Milwaukee, we love our motorcycles for all the obvious reasons. And uh, you can see for yourself, big races, flat out Friday, indoor flat track race at Fiserv, and then the Mama Tried Motorcycle Show. 100 invited motorcycles, vendors, food, tattoos, you name it, you got it. It's, it's, it reeks of Milwaukee, Scott Johnson, and, and people can have yep. a great time celebrating all things Milwaukee this weekend. Correct, correct. All right, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. Let's let's uh, get through the snowstorm. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Scott. Okay. You're listening to WTMJ. All right, so our news time's coming up here, but um, just kind of tease ahead a little bit. We're going to be joined in studio by Nick Novak, and we're going to talk about the governor's address from the perspective of the WMC and uh, some thoughts on the economy. I know this is one of those ones where it's like, okay, what's he talking about? But this is an important one. The governor proposes, what's the reaction to it from the business community? What does it say about the economy going forward here and elsewhere? Big stuff. We're all over the board today. Some fun stuff, some serious. And I and I love this Mama Tried event because the Fonzie bike, are you kidding me? That's awesome. I might go see this if the weather cooperates. Can you get uh, a tattoo? I'm not getting a tattoo. Okay, well. I'm not getting a tattoo. What's with the tattoos? Oh, I don't know. I'll go with you. Not Seriously? Yeah. Are you going to get a tattoo? If I got, what would it take for me to do for you to get one? I have no idea. All right. doesn't have to be this weekend, but just in general, <laughs> think about it. I, I have friends who recently decided to get their first tattoo. My mom got hers when she was probably 50, I don't know, four, two, something along those really? lines. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Your name? No. <laughs> My favorite son. <laughs> That's what it says. Yeah, it's really nice script. It just says Michael. I... As much as I love my wife, I'm not going to have a, like a Kathy tattoo. Oh, you should. So if she's listening, no, not. She wouldn't find that like cute or like quirky or. I or think anything. she's not. She's not pro tattoo either. Oh, okay. And the cool thing about not having a tattoo, so many people have tattoos now. We're actually the kind of the rebels to not have them. Yeah, that's you, true. You see what I'm saying? I've always said that about you. Yeah, <laughs> rebel. The counterculture. Yeah. counterculture guy. That would be the first time you've ever said that. Started the show this morning talking about the governor's address yesterday, Capitol, Madison, biennial budget address. Joining me in studio from the Wisconsin Manufacturers Commerce, Nick Novak, Vice President. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Steve. So I was telling you during the break, everyone has a reaction to the governor's address. It's a proposal. I always want to make sure people know that. It's not doesn't mean it's law today. It means the legislature looks at it, they can ignore it, which they've done in the past. So as a representative of WMC... Your reaction to what the governor said last night? Well, I think uh, we heard a lot from the governor on new spending he was going to have. We obviously have a huge surplus, $7 billion, that uh, looks like the governor wants to increase spending, increase the size of government, uh, and, and use most of that surplus to, to hit his priorities. We've heard from the legislature already. It sounds like they're going to throw out the budget and start on their own. Uh, I think from the business community standpoint, we represent manufacturers, we represent all businesses, and one big thing that we're concerned about is that the governor talked a lot about tax cuts last night, but he pays for his tax cuts with tax hikes when right. we have a huge budget surplus already, $650 million in additional tax hikes on manufacturers in his budget alone. So given the current economic climate, state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin business, a feel for where we should be going, what we should be talking about when it comes to budgeting and new legislation. Well, I think it's important to remember that any money that you spend in this budget, it's a two-year budget, 
that's something that you need to sustain long term. And so if the governor wants to put all of this new spending in, we're going to need to continue to find ways to pay for it. That's through uh, tax hikes. That's through probably increased property taxes with all of the new education spending and, and flexibility that is given to school districts to raise property taxes. And so we think the better way to do it is say, hey, we have a $7 billion surplus. That's because businesses, individuals, workers all across Wisconsin were overtaxed. Paid too much. Exactly. Let's give that money back to the hardworking taxpayers of Wisconsin and make sure that we have a sustainable budget long term. So the legislature, they're going to do what they're going to do. The governor has a decision. Veto parts of it. Say the whole thing has to be done over. From the perspective of the business community, given, and I'm reading your report on recession, likelihood, whether or not soft landing is one of the terms that one of my mm-hmm. guests talked about the other day. From the perspective, again, from the business community, that tax surplus back to the people who paid it and in, in your sense, your point of view, spend it in the Wisconsin economy. Correct. I mean, if you look at what the business community is facing, if you look at what individuals are facing here in Wisconsin, a big problem is that, A, we can't find enough workers. We need to find a way to attract people here to Wisconsin. Well, significant tax reform, lowering and flattening that income tax, probably a good attractor to bring people from Illinois, from Minnesota, where they're going in the opposite direction. Also look at the fact that inflation is still a big problem for everyone. Businesses, 6 and 10, are still paying double-digit cost increases uh, when they go to, to make products here in the state. And so that's a big issue. How can we make things cheaper? How can we help people who you know, can't even afford eggs now because they're so expensive and, and everything else? Tax relief, that helps put more money in the pockets of individuals. It helps them to afford these high costs that we're all dealing with right now. Nick Novak joining us from WMC. Do you get the sense from your members that they, they, they feel like a recession is coming? Or are they on the soft landing side of the equation? So we do a survey of our members every six months. We like to know, you know, what, what's the economy doing? What are business leaders thinking about when it comes to the economy? Uh, that's our Wisconsin employer survey. We just released it. According to that survey, six in 10 Wisconsin businesses, and this is all industries from all corners of the state and all sizes of companies, so this is everybody, six in 10 believe that we're going to go into a recession in 2023. And that's concerning when you start to look at some of the challenges that we're facing as a state. Uh, I mean, we have a workforce shortage, we're dealing with inflation, supply chain's still a problem, and now a recession. Definitely not something, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but definitely not something that you know we're looking forward to this year. On the workforce shortage, again, another hot topic, not just on my talk show, but other ones. Um, is there enough people to fill those jobs? That goes to that gap that we've talked about for years in Wisconsin. We've got to keep mm-hmm. our own people, but we've got to bring new people in. Can we solve it just by looking at who is looking for jobs in Wisconsin? You know, unfortunately, it seems like Governor Evers wants to solve it that way. I heard a lot about workforce in his address last night. He talked a lot about these different programs that he wants to to fund with new government spending. But he doesn't talk about attracting people to Wisconsin. We have a lot of great things here. You know, obviously, we have we have great sports teams. We have great uh, we have great recreational opportunities. We have great cities, great small towns. There's a lot that can bring people into Wisconsin, but we're not telling our story outside of the state. So, a we need to have a, something good to sell, which which we do. If we can become a lower tax state and a lower cost state, that's even better to help sell it. 
but then we need to go out and tell our story. We need to have a talent attraction campaign. We need to be getting people from the Midwest and around the country to say, Wisconsin is a destination that I want to move to. How are employers dealing with the gap right now, the shortage of available workers? You know, they're competing against each other. They're, they're really looking to, to companies like them saying, okay, I can, I can attract a worker from this company, you know, give them $2 extra an hour and I, and I can bring them over. And that's not a good way to sustain a growing economy. Uh, we are trying to attract people. We're trying to bring people in from, from other states, but it's not always the easiest when people aren't aware of the great economic opportunities that we have. Thousands of open jobs right now, tens of thousands of open jobs. If you don't live in Wisconsin, there's opportunity here. We'd love to have you. Now, critics would say that's good for the person seeking the job. How do you it, respond to that? It, it's a it's a market for employees right now. I mean, you they do have a lot of power, you know, and that's why you're seeing a lot of companies. We've done these surveys in the past asking what are they doing to attract employees and they've offered flexible working hours. We even have manufacturers now which you can't work from home if you're a manufacturer. You need to be in the actual shop floor manufacturing a product. And they now offer different schedules to make sure that they can pick up their kids from daycare, to make sure that they can get to their kids, you know, you know, choir concert uh, at night. I mean, they're really trying to be as flexible as they possibly can because they know employees can just jump up and, and maybe move to the company next door. One of the other criticisms is, okay, so maybe this is a, an opportunity for business to become lean and mean, right? The, the Lean Six Sigma environment that we used to talk a lot about in, in the mm -hmm. business world. Are they using this as an opportunity? Did we learn something from the pandemic? You know, we did learn a lot from the pandemic. A lot of those flexibilities I just talked about are clearly being implemented, but a lot of automation is going in place because we simply don't have the ability to continue growing our economy and growing our businesses if we don't have the people. And so there's a lot of companies that are trying to do more with less because they can't find those people. We're hosting the Manufacturer of the Year Awards tonight here in Milwaukee, and we talk with manufacturers all the time about how they are using automation. They're using technology to make sure that they can upskill their employees, raise wages, and, and keep the employees they have because they can't find new people to bring in and expand their, their employment. Nick Novak joining us from WMC on WTMJ. I'm looking at some of the, uh, the numbers from your recent survey. I just want to get a historical perspective. So if, they, if you ask them, how would you rate the Wisconsin economy? 39%. U.S. economy, 20%. What historically has, has that number been at? So the optimism is down, and, and and again, not to be the bearer of bad news, it's it's not a good outlook from the business community here in Wisconsin. As you mentioned, 39% rate that Wisconsin economy is strong. That was 53% just a year ago, uh, and so that number is dropping. The one that concerns me is when we ask our members, where do you see the economy growing? Do you think we're going to have growth? Do you think we're going to stay stagnant? Are we going to decline? Right now, 42% believe we're going to have growth in the Wisconsin economy. That doesn't sound like a bad number until you look back 18 months ago, and it was double that, 84% wow. expected growth. So we're, we're really concerned about where the economy is going, and obviously we want to do everything we can to make sure that policymakers are aware of that uh, and, and that our businesses can actually accomplish all of the goals they have so they can continue to expand, continue to make a profit, and continue to grow our economy. Most of us never heard the term that weren't in manufacturing supply chain or, or retail before the pandemic. We all know what it is now. We've suffered the results of that. When you go to a store, you see empty shelves. Mm -hmm. you, you see the stories on the national news or the big networks. Um, have we sorted out the supply chain? Are there cargo ships still sitting in 
ports somewhere that aren't being offloaded? It's getting better. It's not fixed yet, but it, it is getting better. Uh, and, and what we hear from our manufacturing members all the time is that we used to have what's called just-in-time manufacturing. So they tried not to use warehousing. They would, they would finish a product, and it would literally get put right onto a semi-truck and go to wherever it was, it was being sold, go to an end user, um, wherever it needed to. So that was just-in-time manufacturing. manufacturing. Now we have just-in-case manufacturing <laughs> where we actually have people and businesses who are saying, okay, let's make sure we have product because we don't want to run out of things. We don't want to be in the situation where you go into your local grocery store, your local uh, supermarket, and there's no toilet paper. I mean, that you know, we're a big paper manufacturing state. We need to make sure that we're helping provide that to uh, everyone around the globe. And so they're, they're changing how they do their work to make sure that we don't have as many empty shelves, but it's by no means fixed yet. I was on a couple international trips over the last couple of months, and uh, we, we were in some ports. We were on a cruise both times. And my wife was amazed at the number of shipping containers sitting, not on boats, on shore. That's part of this, right? Well, and that's the, that, that goes to the workforce shortage. It's, it's not just here in Wisconsin. It's not just here in the Midwest. I mean, it, it is somewhat of a global issue. And if we, if we look at here in Wisconsin... We talked about attracting people in the state. We talked about trying to grow that workforce. Our labor force participation rate right now is the lowest it has ever been on record. They started recording this in the 1970s. It's never been as low as it is today, 64.9%. That means we have tens of thousands of people who are sitting on the sidelines that could be in our workforce filling all of those jobs that we have available and possibly working in the supply chain, working in shipping, you know, taking jobs as truck drivers that move stuff all around our country because that's why you see those those cargo containers just sitting on the shore. It's because they maybe don't have the truck drivers to put it on a truck and get it to where it needs to go. Big picture question. What solves that, that gap, that work, worker shortage? What fixes that? You talked about quality of life. That's cool. Recreation mm -hmm. opportunities, amazing in Wisconsin. One of the reasons I live here. Great sports teams, Packers, Bucks, Brewers, and a lot of other ones. What solves that problem? Is it, it keeps people here? But I think the most important one you mentioned earlier, bringing people back to Wisconsin or, or getting them to move here that maybe don't know a lot about the state currently. At WMC, we, we talk about basically three things you need to do to, to grow our workforce, which will help grow our economy. First, you have to retain every single born and raised Wisconsinite that you can. We need to be talking to young people about the great economic opportunities that we have here in Wisconsin because they do exist. And, and, and also, a manufacturing job can pay, on average, 70-some thousand dollars a year. That's a pretty good wage here in Wisconsin. That's higher than the, the average family makes. So we need to be talking to young people about why they should stay in Wisconsin. We also need to be trying to get people off the sidelines. We need to get people back into the workforce so that we can increase our labor force participation rate. But you hit the nail on the head. We need to attract people to Wisconsin. We've advocated for a talent attraction campaign to tell other states and or people in other states and people across the country about coming here. The last thing, we need immigration reform. We need folks at the federal level to sit down, have an actual conversation, and get something done to allow more people to come in our state for the, to fill the jobs that we need. That's a good one, and that's one that a lot of my guests have hit on, that fixing this, not just talking about it you know, in politically dramatic terms, but mm -hmm. fixing that problem. Uh, I only got about 30 seconds. Any other trends that came out of the survey that you want to highlight? You know, I think the, the big thing is that people are more worried about the U.S. economy than the Wisconsin economy, so that's good news. I think that's because we have such a strong manufacturing sector. It helps buoy our economy, um, but that means that we need to be 
working with the manufacturing sector, not doing what Governor Evers is doing, and making it more expensive to make things here in Wisconsin. Nick Novak, WMC, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. Thanks for coming in, man. This is important stuff. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll take a break here listening to WTMJ. Thanks to Nick Novak from WMC, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, for coming in. He's got a big event tonight at the Fister, beautiful Fister Hotel in Milwaukee. Um, a couple of the texters on the old National Bank talking text line. Well, this is one side of the argument. Absolutely. I do both sides. That's the points of the show. I want not only the governor to have his time. He's been a guest on this program many times, both in the studio and over the phone. But the governor's words, his proposals, impact the business climate environment in the states, the taxpayer. We have to have different perspectives. If you have a perspective, you can share it with me on the old National Bank Talking Text Line, 855-616-1620. Several of you did. Uh, let's see. From the 262, the person you just had on said paying market wages isn't sustainable. What a joke. No, it's not what he said. We have to factor in business reality with the needs of the workers. There has to be a balance there. And obviously he's representing the business community, right? Manufacturers, the commerce, the economy of the state. They're going to have a perspective. That's why we need to hear that perspective. Should, would I be, couldn't we live in a world where everyone makes $100,000? Sure, that would be amazing. But that's not possible in the real world, Right. It's based on your skills. It's based on your achievements. That's how it works. One size fits all, not this show, and not any kind of reality this state or this country can actually do. Quick break. Thanks for finding us on this Thursday edition. Who cares if it's going to snow? We'll figure it out. We can, we can handle it. We're, we're adults, right? All right. And, and a lot of places, like in Florida, where they caller was from earlier it's beautiful it's 82 degrees all right so how does a 30 how's the chance to win a 30 mineshaft gift card sound to you locally owned family-owned restaurants 46 years in business hello great food oh and by the way thursdays buy one pizza get one free second one free beautiful restaurant downtown hartford main streets in downtown hartford so i need two callers 855-616-1620 to play That's What Steve Said, five questions that could change your life and give you access to a $30 gift card at the Mineshaft. Hello, Pizza Thursday. Let's do it. Two callers, 855-616-1620. Five questions that could change your life. Well, that's an overstatement. I see the phone lines are heated up. That's coming up. It's time to talk about the topics that were big. That's what she said. Ha! I don't get it. It's time to talk about the topics that were hard. That's what she said. Or he said. It's time to talk about the topics that had us saying. That's what she said. It's time for. Th That's what she said. <laughs> no, it's time for. That's what Steve said. Let us say it to lighten the tension when things sort of get hard. Ah, thank you, Steve Carell. Yes, it's another edition of That's What Steve Said. Thanks to the folks at the Mind Chef Restaurant. It's pizza day today. Buy one second pizza free. All right, let's meet our contestants on this snowy Thursday in southeastern Wisconsin. First up, Bill from Fond du Lac. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. Uh, tell me in 30 seconds or less something about Bill that all of our listeners and fans of the show would just love to know about you. <laughs> love, love <laughs> to know about me. Yes. Oh, 
I love Wisconsin. There you go. That's a good one. I love Wisconsin. I love it. Season, too. whatever the season, I love Wisconsin. All right, I'm with you, Bill. All right, let's meet Bob from Milwaukee, local guy right here where I'm broadcasting from. Bob, tell us about Bob from Milwaukee. Okay, Bob's a proud father of two daughters and four grandchildren, and I love Wisconsin as well. All right, gentlemen, positive Thursday, positive thoughts, even in the midst of a snowstorm. Five questions, Bill and Bob, that can change your life. All things that I talked about on the show this week. If you're a regular, frequent listener, you'll recognize the topics. You'll certainly try your best to ascertain which of the three answers is the correct answer. Then we will play for you actually what I said on the show. Bill from Fond du Lac, Bob from Milwaukee, are you ready to play? That's what Steve said. Let's go. All right, Bill, you're first up. So listen carefully to the three answers, but let me give you the question first. Politics. Elected officials love to talk about it on my show. Usually not in the most positive terms, but I'm a positive guy, so let's let's go forward. This week I talked about the inability to compromise, the C word. What was my smart take on politics and elected officials? Three possible answers. Only one is correct. A, this is what we get when we have two parties who don't agree on anything. B, I'm not sure who's worse, Congress or the Wisconsin State Legislature. Or C, show me a politician from Wisconsin, and I'll show you a guy who more than likely hates Milwaukee. All right. Bill from Fond du Lac, what's the right answer? I'm going to say A. All right, Bill says A. Bob from Milwaukee, what say you? I'm going to say B. All right. Bill and Bob, let's see what I said. This is what you get. This is what we get when we have two parties who don't agree on anything. We get stuff like this. Grand proposal without any conversation with the other side. And they both do it. And you know what? They're both wrong. All right, Bill from Fond du Lac gets the first one right. Bob has some work to do. Bob, you're up first. Question number two has to do with driving, reckless driving, our driving habits. It was the subject of a conversation this week I had about a proposal by researchers to add a fourth light on traffic signals. It was a white light, if I remember correctly. What did I have to say about our own driving abilities? Listen carefully, Bob. Three possible answers, only one correct. A... Maybe what we need are roadways where all the lanes are separated by concrete barriers. Maybe that will keep us focused on the road. B, as drivers, Americans, Wisconsinites, we basically suck. Or C, most of us approach driving with the attitude, don't tell me what to do or how to drive. Bob from Milwaukee, what's the right answer? Oof, I did hear you talk about this, but I don't remember exactly what you said. Um, I'm going to go B. All right, Bob says B. Bill from Fond du Lac, what do you say? <laughs> B is what I wanted to say, but I can't choose that, I imagine. No, you can choose whatever you want, A, B, or C. Oh, I'll take B. All right, you are smart and thoughtful listeners. Here's what I said. A fourth light will launch this incredible awakening in America that says, you know what, I'm going to give those AVs a chance. It's going to be smooth. When the real answer is, the only way this is going to work is if the only control of a vehicle is taken away from drivers. Because as drivers, America, Americans, Wisconsinites, you basically suck. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Tough love for Wisconsin drivers, but uh, you both got it right. So Bill is up two to one. Bill, we're back to you, the first guessing on question number three. Since I launched the show in 2017, anniversary date coming up on the 28th of this month, I've always said women are smarter than men. I reinforced that reality this week. What did I say specifically? Three possible answers. A, you want proof? 
watch a bunch of guys staring at a parking meter in downtown Milwaukee trying to figure out how it works. They're like cavemen. B, how do I know this? Have you listened to some of the men who do what I do in this market? Case closed. Or C, women not only do most of the work, they have to constantly remind men to do the work they're supposed to be doing. What's the right answer, Bill? I'll say C. Bill says C. Bob, what do you say? I'm going to say B. Bob goes with B. I think Bob's going to be happy on this one. What's the right answer? Women are smarter than men. I've said this since day one on the show. How do I know that? Have you listened to some of the men who do what I do for a living in this market and elsewhere? Case closed. Case closed. All right, gentlemen, it's a tie at two. You guys are doing good. Question number four. Bob, you're first up. Talked about this, I think, on Monday. A lapel pin representing an AR-15 has started to show up on the clothing of elected representatives in Washington, D.C. That fashion symbolism has created a controversy on what is appropriate and what's not. What did I say would have been a better choice, maybe smarter choice? Uh, Bob, you're first up. A, there could have been a choice to use a less triggering symbol to put on a lapel jacket or dress. B, given a number of mass shootings in this country, probably not the best way to get your message across. Or C, it's a pin. How about we just wear a flag pin and call it a day? What's the right answer, Bob? Uh, B. You're nothing if not consistent, Bob. Bob says B. Bill, what do you say? I'm going to say B as well. All right. Hmm. Let's listen. But there also could have been, on the other side of, the, of this argument, there could have been a choice to use a less triggering, my word this time, symbol to put on a lapel or on a jacket or a dress. All right, gentlemen, tied at two. Last and final question, question number five. Bill is first up. I do have tiebreakers if we need them. Let's see what happens on this important final question. Uh, has to do with a school and a fight. I talked about it yesterday to lead the program. Fight at Wash at Wauwatosa, rather Wauwatosa East High School made the news this week. What was my immediate reaction to this latest example of the lack of discipline and punishment in our schools? Listen carefully to the three possible answers, Bill and Bob. A. Parents aren't doing their jobs. Students pay closer attention to their phones than their teachers. What do we think is going to happen? B. The cat is out of the bag. Once we decided that little Johnny or Jane couldn't be punished for anything. We're going to get chaos as a result. Or C, you've banned discipline. You threaten teachers. Less people want to do that job. You reap what you sow. What's the right answer, Bill? A. Bill says, hey, Bob, what do you say? I'm going to go C. Bob says C. Bob, you're going to be a happy guy. Here's what I said. You can't manage behavior. They'll do it for you. But here's the thing. Police are already overtaxed. There's less of them. So not only have you contributed to the problem by knocking out hundreds of police officers in the city of Milwaukee, but you also essentially banned any form of real serious discipline, and you've threatened teachers, and students threaten teachers, students hit teachers. Less people want to do that job. You reap what you sow. All right, Bob from Milwaukee, you are a winner. Three to two over Bill. Bill, thanks for playing. Thanks for the game. All right. Nice. Enjoy Wisconsin. Bob, you stay on the line. You are our winner of a $30 gift card, Mineshaft Restaurant, beautiful downtown Hartford. How do you feel right now? I'm happy. All right. I'm hungry. Let's go. All right. Hang on the line. Bob, our big winner. That's that what Steve said. Thank you to the Mineshaft Restaurant, our great sponsor and gift giver on that exciting segment today in the middle of a snowstorm in Milwaukee on WTMJ.
Oh, yeah. Thanks to Bob from Milwaukee. Congrats to Bob from Milwaukee. He's our winner of our MindChef gift card on our fabulous, groundbreaking. I think I'm the only one in the country that I've found that does a segment like that. That's called unique. That's called special. That is groundbreaking. Am I am I blowing my own horn too too much? My wife. This is where she'll. Was take... that your idea? That game. Was it your idea? It wasn't mine. <laughs> it was my idea. Now this is where my wife at home would take out a symbolic pin to pop my big head because she's good at that. One of the reasons I love her. All right. So, as somebody who used to work in television. This is a big deal. You may not even know this is a big deal, but it's a big deal. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this. This year, Americans, U.S. adults, not children, adults, are going to spend more time watching digital video on things like Netflix, TikTok, YouTube, than watching traditional over-the-air TV. Think about that for a second. We have changed as a country. If you're older than, I don't know, 40, I mean, I'm, I'm just picking a number, you'll remember the, the big console TVs. Heavy, sat in everybody's living room, like a piece of furniture made out of real wood, later on not real wood. It was a centerpiece of most people's living room, right? And they sometimes even had the rabbit ears on them. They didn't have a rooftop antenna, which is also going by the wayside. Consumers have changed. Now, a little bit of history. I worked in television research for a long time, more than two decades. And the latter part of that career, which I retired from, we were trying, this was the early days of people moving from traditional set watching to being able to watch on their laptops, PCs, later phones. It is amazing to me that regular old broadcast, or what the experts call linear TV, is going to be less than half of the viewing consumption of Americans. This is a quote from an insider analyst on on television, television expert. The milestone is driven by people spending more and more time watching video on their biggest and smallest screens, whether it's an immense immersive drama on a connected TV or a viral clip on a smartphone, the rise of YouTube TV, the Netflixes, all the other streaming services. It's not surprising, but at the same time it is. Given the history of broadcast TV, simple question on this. Will broadcast TV go away at some point or be so diminished that it's less attractive to advertisers? Now, if you listen to the show, you know, I've been critical of local TV. Too much sameness. I'm not, and I understand it's a blanket statement. They're not all the same. But the expectation that you continue to do something the same way over and over and over again because you used to do it that way, I think is over. Now, good local stations, smart local stations... I think are realizing something must change. Who's giving you the news has certainly changed. The diversity of the presenter. Easiest way to notice. The product, though. The delivery, not that much difference. Still way too much weather for my liking, and 
That's an aside on a snowy day in Wisconsin. But um, it's warranted today. But then again, I just watch a local station on one of my monitors, and they're all up here in the studio. Stand-ups, outside, snowy day. We all know what snow looks like. We are smart enough not to stand outside if we don't have to in cold, snowy weather. So when you're sending these reporters, often very young, is this hazing? What is this exactly? What are you trying to prove with this? We know it's snowing. Tell us when, how much, and when's it going to end. That's it. You can repeat that as many times as you'd like, but all the rest don't really need it. I know historical data is interesting on weather. Very, not for me. But back to the points. My question's simple. Do you envision a time where none of us, or very few of us, are actually watching broadcast TV at all? We just have a monitor on our wall, however big that is. Smart TV is is one of the terms, right? And we just... Maybe this is the true a la carte that I've been calling for for years. We just pull what we want. Because let's be honest, in nearly 500 days of my war on Internet and television service providers, you guys suck. You cost too much. And your service is horrible. And you can assign whatever corporate identity you want to all of these places because you all suck. And if we have the opportunity, and I I see the rise of YouTube, maybe this is the next phase of how we consume. Your thoughts, 855-616-1620. What do you think? The slow decline, the quick decline, the end of broadcast TV in favor of digital streaming services? I'm leaning in their direction. They will overtake broadcast traditional TV this year. Your thoughts after this. All right, we're going to talk some baseball after the bottom of the hour news with uh, our guy, Dominic Catronio. Brewers' extra innings, host of that as soon as the regular season starts. All things Brewers, all things baseball. Smart guy, by the way. I've had some time to chit-chat with uh, Dominic. I didn't know his dad was a broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Mm -hmm. Very cool. 31 years or something like that. That's a family legacy, isn't it, Mike Spaulding? Absolutely. Was your dad a broadcaster? Oh, no, he was not. (laughs) What what did your dad do? Uh, He was a sales manager for a sports medical company. My dad's a meteorologist, of course. Yeah, that where you got your broadcast acumen from? Did you know, like, uh, when you were, I know you did the Nielsen thing and Uh were in the broadcast world, but did you have dreams of being a broadcaster just because your dad was? No. My dad, actually, here's a little bit of trivia while we're waiting to get the news kicked off here. Back in the 70s, when my dad was one of the leaders at the National Weather Service, he would do recorded weather things for 620WTMJ. Mm-hmm. I wish we could find those. Is that is there a vast like room? Probably not, right? There's no digital archive, I'm sure. No digital. There might be an audio, though. I gotta I'm not going to say that. there is none. All right, that's my challenge, to find some. Maybe my dad has some. If he's listen, He listens every day. He's a loyal listener. Loyal texter? Uh, not so much in the text, but he listens. I know he listens to as does my mom, uh, which which is good. That's two listeners for sure. Yeah. Throw my wife in, sort of. That's three. Yeah, three listeners. Yeah. Positive listeners sometimes. <laughs> Although I've seen oh. the Kathy oh. the text. Yeah, so you don't, don't want yeah. to make that <laughs> assumption because, as I said to producer Brandon, she's she'll pull out the symbolic needle when my head gets too big. 
Hey, let's talk some brewers. Who better to talk to than our brewers expert here at WTMJ, Dominic Petronio. I want to say that last name right. I it's should get it right because I'm Italian, dude. It's complicated. It's a bad one. I should have been a TV name, Dom Matthews, something like that. My dad's name is Dominic, so we got that, there you go. that going on. All right, so brewers extra innings obviously will start in the in the uh, regular season as we ramp up brewers baseball. we got spring training coming up. You excited about that? Oh, I'm stoked. I can't wait to get to some sunshine on a day like today, but uh, there's a lot to talk about in the brewers. You know, there's a lot of animosity on social media. I try not to pay attention too much to it, but I understand the fans are feeling a little apprehensive with the way last year ended, the way that this offseason has gone, David Stern stepping down, the team trying to figure out what happened with Corbin Burns as far as the arbitration case. But, hey, this team is legitimately a chance to win the NL Central. I like your attitude. So we're going to put that aside. We're going to set that (laughs) aside because MLB, Major League Baseball, is doing some more – my turn would be crazy stuff with, with some of the rules, and I wanted to just run through some of this stuff. For you. We, we've had this, this pinch runner in, in, in the extra innings. Mm-hmm. That's going to continue. Yes, permanent what you, now. What do you think about that? I love it. I think it's Major League Baseball looking in the mirror and finally realizing, look, we can't sell 162 games that every single game matters like life and death. It doesn't, plain and simple. It just doesn't. So to say, look, we just want the game to end and Look, if there's a tie that happens at some point in baseball, I'm going to be up in arms. But this is baseball saying we're not doing ties. We want a winner. We're trying to expedite to find a winner. I'm fine with it. And some folks are saying, well, let's play regular baseball for one more inning. I'd be cool with that, too. Or two innings. I've seen that. Like, play 10 and 11 normal, and then the 12th inning, you put the placed runner on second base. I'd be okay with that. But then at the same time, well, why wait? Just get it going. See who can actually score, who can get the job done. I'm for it. I'm absolutely for it. So the heck with the purists. <laughs> I mean, baseball is full of change. People don't want to admit that. Baseball purists want to you know, say, oh, the games are the same. No, it hasn't. They've lowered the mound. The designated hitter has been introduced. You've got different stadiums. You've got different rules as far as, uh, you, you know, with the shift rule now, but obviously, but you've always had changes to rules, spitballs and doctoring the baseball and batter's eye rules. There is so much that has happened in baseball over its course of history that what's normal now was a big deal when it changed. I I, I love how you know the history, and that's partly because your dad's a broadcaster, right? Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, dad's been in the big leagues now. This is getting ready for year number 31. Uh, this will be season number 18 with the Oakland A's. So uh, I've been very blessed to have followed his footsteps and trying to do the play-by-play routes. Uh, now here in Milwaukee, where the A's are coming to Milwaukee this year. Yeah. So, you know, I'll be doing Brewers Extra Innings, the post-game show, as he's going to be two booths over for me doing the A's radio. So that'll be a, a really cool day when they come to town. I'm blessed to have him in my corner. All right, so let's run through, run through some of these other changes. Bigger bases, like somebody described it as a pizza box size. Yeah. What's that about? Willie Adamas actually told that to us during our Hot Stove Cold Brews event uh, when he went down to the minor leagues and saw it for the first time. So previous bases were 15 inches aside. They're squares, obviously. Now they're 18 inches aside. So it adds all of that space. And it looks jarring when you compare it to the old base. But at the end of the day, this is about player safety. This is about making sure there's room to operate, fewer collisions, giving room for everybody. And the sad, you know, the side part of this, I should say, is that now you get that split second of three inches. Bang, bang plays are going to be even closer now. Stolen bases, pickoffs, things of that nature. 
because you get those extra three inches. And the folks that are saying, oh, so it's not 90 feet anymore. No, it's always been 90 feet from home plate to the back of the bag at first, and then on the bases from the center of the center of the so bag to the center the of the same. bag. It's still 90 feet technically, but the actual gap between bases is slightly shorter. What's a few inches? Exactly. All right, the other one that I like, because I looked at this last night, games last year taking over three hours. I think it was a decade ago. It was like 239 or something like that. So pitch clock... I think is a smart addition to the new rules. How will that work? This is going to be the most contentious uh, piece of new legislation in baseball. Folks have said we don't want clocks in baseball. This is the beauty of the game. But this is about the pace of play. There's a difference between you know, a guy sitting there and just kind of waiting and Nomar Garcia parring his batting gloves or the pitcher like coming set nine times like a Kenley Jansen or even a Devin Williams in a way. Right. The point is to get going right you understand that these guys are playing at the best level they can play faster and what we've already seen in minor league baseball it shaved almost a half an hour off average game times just by one change like that these are big league players they can adjust to it spring training this is what it's for and I, this is going to make a massive improvement to the ball to the actual product on the field am i right in, in saying that the only people that don't like it are the pitchers in a way, some batters feel rushed, too. Oh, okay. The batter actually has to look at the pitcher to say, I'm ready for you to pitch. And there is actually a penalty on the batter as well. If they're not ready to go by eight seconds on the timer, because they could, you know, they could have the advantage of making the pitcher wait, making them feel uncomfortable if they take it deeper than eight seconds. Like, no, no. Batter has to be ready to hit by eight seconds to signal to the pitcher, all right, you've got eight seconds to decide when you're ready to throw, and that's how it works. Dominic Catronio joining us, Brewers expert, host of Brewers Extra Inning, which you'll hear when the regular season starts. All right, another big, big change, the shift rule. Mm-hmm. Players playing in normal positions versus everybody on one side of the diamond. That That's a big one, too. The big thing with this is we're really intrigued to see how it's going to be policed in baseball. So the rule is you have to have both feet start on the infielder, and now Major League Baseball has forced teams to be uniform in their distance from the mound to the edge of the infield dirt. Previously, that was not a standardized practice, so now everybody will have the same depth on their you know second base and shortstop side of the back. However, this is where it gets complicated. You can still be toward the middle. There's no lines to determine it, but when it comes to having multiple guys on either side, that's gone. You're not going to see a guy sitting in shallow right field that's an infielder. What you can do, and I know a team is going to do this, you can move. Let's say Joey Gallo is up the bat of the Minnesota Twins, a notorious pull hitter. Somebody is going to do it. They're going to move their left fielder into shallow right field because the rule is only infielders can't overshift. You can give up a corner outfielder and shift them over. So you could see a wild, wild defensive alignment worth a total gap the other way. For them to, there's someone's going to work around this. I can't wait to see it. That's also a big gamble because if the ball gets out to left field, exactly. that's going to be in the, inside the park home run. Exactly. Anything else that's going to change as we get ready for this upcoming season? Uh, umpires are going to be a little more stringent on balk calls. And the big thing you remember with the pitch clock as well, with stolen bases, you're only allowed three pickoffs per plate appearance. And if you don't pick them off on the third try, it's essentially a balk, and the base runner gets the base that they're looking for. The Brewers have some speed all of a sudden. Christian Yelich, 20 bags last year. When South Relic arrives, he'll steal bags. Garrett Mitchell will steal bags. This is a team that's ready to run. 
and this could really play to the Brewers' advantage. So keep an eye on the pickoff rule. And for Eric Lauer, his balk move, it's truly a balk move. His lefty where he you know, lifts the leg and tries to fake you out, that's going to be a balk now because it's always been a balk. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they police that as well. But keep an eye on the base pass. It's going to be a very exciting year trying to get more action into the game and in a shorter gap between the action, right? No shifts, encouraging balls in play. And with the pickoff rules, hopefully more stolen bases, more of the excitement and the athleticism coming back into baseball. All right, you're off to Arizona. Thanks for warming it up here on a snowy day oh in Wisconsin. Of course I get this in my last two days, right? <laughs> so I'm very excited to see 72 degrees coming up this weekend. All right, Brewers expert Dominic. I should get that right. That's my dad's name. Dominic Catronio, host of Brewers Extra Innings. Enjoy Arizona, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. You're listening to WTMJ. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Baseball theme, Bruce Springsteen song. We'll all be seeing less than a month of Pfizer Forum. Can't wait for that concerts. Um, I encourage my producers, Brandon, who does very well at this task, to find fun and interesting things. So Brandon found this. Just listen to this, and I'll give you my quick take on it. And he said, Dad, guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse, 7 have been arrested for fraud, 19 have been accused of writing bad checks, 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses, 3 have done time for assault, 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit, 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges, 8 have been arrested for shoplifting, 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. That is absolutely amazing. I wish I, I don't have the congressman's name in front of me, but I'll look it up. That's absolutely amazing because everybody's out there going, oh, yeah, it's got to be the NBA, got to be, the, you know, whatever. This is who we send to Washington. This is why their ratings are worse than attorneys. And I have a lot of attorney friends. I apologize. You don't deserve that scorn. And you wonder why these TV whores, I use that word on purpose, don't try to accomplish anything other than getting on TV and yakking about politics, not actually doing anything about politics. We're sending criminals there because nothing matters anymore. The winning is more important than the actual person that you send there. That is a, a ironclad indictment of the people who represent us. And thanks to producer Brandon for finding that. Unbelievable. If there's a message of this show, kind of going back to what I started with, because I, I read from you a letter from a listener who was dissatisfied with my use of the English language and uh, called me low class. And, and I didn't identify the listener. I won't. And you can, I, and I said at the time, and I say it again, you, you can have that opinion. That's fine. You're listening. I appreciate it. We don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. That's good. That's healthy. I don't need sheep. 
I want to hear what both sides have to say. I want to get to the best possible solution. And for too long, we've abdicated that to the knuckleheads we are sending to Washington. And when you hear numbers like that and charges and lawsuits and drunk driving and assaults, so basically the, the, um, the mindset is in this country, I don't care about that so much. It's just that they have the right letter after their name. That's why I say, listen, better be smarter. This cannot continue. Whether it's culture wars, political wars, wars of any type, we got to be smarter. And if we keep doing this, it's a great way to end the show, actually. If we keep doing this, that is the definition of insanity, and it's time we learned. So for the hold-your-nosers, Voters, hold your nose voters, or the, uh, some of you who are infatuated with mindless squawk TV and radio, you're part of this problem. So thanks to the congressman for pointing that out. I wasn't aware of the numbers. Pretty stunning, pretty shocking. But that's the political reality in America. You happy with that? Well, keep doing what you're doing. We'll see what Jeff Wagner has coming up. That's next on WTMJ.